0: Last year we've been working really hard uh, to get the first of its kind of study into what makes a church planner. One of the key questions that we want to ask uh, as a network is, uh, is, am I a church planner? And any assessment system needs to answer these four questions. So Alan Thompson came up with these questions, he's part of the International Church Planning Centre. Uh, so when we're assessing um, a, a, a bloke, a couple, when we're assessing someone t- uh, about their potential for church planning, we want to be answering these four questions. The first one is, can I trust you? Uh, we want to look at character, and we've mentioned that so many times, you know, Titus, Timothy, we want to look at a person's character. Can I trust you? The second thing we want to look at is, do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're going? Uh, you need to have a vision for a, a place, a people group. Uh, we, want to, we want to hear that. We want to hear your conviction uh, to plant in a, in a certain place. The third question, can you take me there? Uh, can you take me there? Are you, are you a leader? Are you competent? Can you build teams? Are you a multiplier? And finally, what's my job? Uh, in Ephesians 4, we learn that the role, uh, the role of pastor is to equip. Uh, so can you empower? Can you equip others? Uh, so they're the four questions that we're looking at in any assessment system. And, and uh, what we're trying to do at Geneva is to have a, a best practice Australian assessment tool. And part of that is is finding out what actually makes a church plan a tick in Australia. And as Ed will uh, come and show in a moment. The research has been really uh, you know, fascinating to, to hear from. So what does assessment do? Well, I think it does three things. What, the first thing, it confirms potential. Uh, what I often see when I'm talking with planners before the process, uh, they're, they're unsure, they actually don't want to go through an assessment process because they don't want to be told no. But as they come out of the assessment process, uh, there's a confidence uh, a confidence to step out because there's a brothers and sisters who are saying, this is something that we think you should do. Uh, and as part of the assessment process, we have a whole church and a whole bunch of referees who are also saying, yes, we believe that you are suited to do this. So it confirms potential and it targets development. Uh, there are a number of people who the answer is no, uh, but any, any good assessment process will also help you work out the next steps. So it might be a no, um, but an assessment process will help you as you work out the next steps for, for ministry and placement. So the second thing it does is it targets development. Finally, it guides placement. We want to put people uh, obviously all over Australia, uh, but some people aren't suited to plant in Albury. Um, others are perfectly and ideally suited to plant in Albury. So we want to make sure that somebody's thinking about how they're wired and the place they go. So I'm really excited um, to, uh, to hear these results today uh, and real thankful for the work that Lifeway's been doing uh, to find out more about what's going on in Australia. Thanks, Ed. Thank
1: you. Is Aubrey... People giggled when you said Aubrey. Is that a funny place?
0: No. No, no. don't... is funny.
1: So it's not like Adelaide. I mean, it's like a different kind of feel. Okay. All right. So I'm just checking. No, I had a great time in Adelaide. Uh, um, we're going talk some about the measuring the presence of Australian church minor characteristics. Very quickly, this could become uh, very boring uh, for you, very exciting for me, recitation of statistical significance and discussion of Kronbach alpha tests. However, I've decided... That you would hate me by the time we're done, and so I don't want uh, to do that. But really, one of the great responsibilities of any church planning organization is the kind of the evaluation and uh, the development of potential church planters. If you're going to have a church planning movement, you obviously need church planters when you, uh, you're going to recruit them. But if you simply send people out uh, kind of uh, without seeing if they're rightly wired, prepared, gifted, you end up not just hurting the mission, you end up hurting uh, families, marriages. When I was a church planner before assessments came around in 1988, I went with a group of eight church planners to a major city in something we called mega-focus cities. There were eight of us. We went out together. And there was no assessment. Um, now, so uh, you know, 20 years later, more than 20 years later, there's only one of the churches left um, of the church of the church planters. Uh, five of them are out of the ministry. Four of them of of the five and four of them are out of their marriage. And uh, loosely, and and most of them actually of the four of their marriage, also loosely engaged or out of the faith. Um, Part of the reason I think that is, is that we largely sent people out as, if you will, church planting cannon fodder. Just, you know, run, maybe one or two of you will get through the field of battle and ultimately be successful. Well, our goal is to provide, in partnership with a series of organizations, an assessment tool, not the totality of the assessment, an assessment tool. We all know that part of any ecosystem, uh, any essential network component is going to be uh, the the leadership and vision. It's more than this, but it certainly, on the left-hand side, will include recruiting and assessing. I could pull out, as I did in this case, I could pull out a hundred different examples of denominational church planting systems. This happens to be the uh, global church advancement uh, uh, out of Reformed Theological Seminary. And, and you'll see in the midst of there, right in the middle, certainly not intended to be the middle of everything, but right in the middle in this case, a, that assessment is part of the church planting ecosystem. So as Geneva pushes to develop an ecosystem, as... You partner in that assessment will be uh, an essential part of any um, ecosystem. So, in this case, we worked with a series of sponsor organizations to assist us in putting together a uh, a a research project that would ask some questions. And these are just some of those who were actually sponsors. We have substantially uh, larger number who participated, but these were the sponsors of the research uh, thus far. And in doing so what we wanted to look at, our goals ultimately were to help church planters succeed. I'm pressing this over and over again. I apologize. It is not moving. So um, have, I, have I lost it? Do I need to do something different? Um, okay. So maybe I'll, I'll just do this and it'll be cool. Uh, the, uh, um, and so we want to help church planters succeed and also help church planting organizations objectively assess and deploy church planters. And so the goal then would be a tool that measures readiness and probability of success. Now now again, when you get to this point, I want you to know this. This is really key. <coughs> God can do anything that he wants in his sovereignty. You could be a terribly wired person for church planting, and God in his goodness and his grace could plant an amazing church, even a church multiplication movement that would be birthed from and through what you plant. But what we're looking for is a statistically validated assessment tool that provides reliable scales that accurately measure key characteristics identified by church planting experts as common in successful church planters. And so ultimately our desire is, is to create an initial indicator of the readiness of a potential church planter by giving the planter and sender a place to begin the readiness conversation. Now, you could uh, not have an initial indicator, and but if you don't have an initial indicator, what that means is, is that every person that is considering church planting, you have to take through a robust assessment process. Now, I know that we, you do say 10, 15 people were assessed. 10, 10 were assessed even this week. You may not know that assessment teams have been working during the Multiply 13. People, some of you have been assessed during Multiply 13. Some of you will uh, pass that assessment, others will be encouraged to, to uh, develop in some areas before they 're ready to plan. Others will be said, "No, maybe this isn 't for you and, and, and so, so but in doing so we 've invested time and, and thank you to those who have been assessing you 've invested time uh, in the assessment process. Our desire is is to give a step before that assessment that your organizations, Diva Push, and others, other sponsor organizations, can use to, to, to have a, a prior step that looks at some of the wiring issues that are there. Now, please note, it's, it's not appropriate statistically, and nor is it wise spiritually, to say a person can or cannot plan a church based upon a tool that they use to determine that. But let's talk some about the research and sort of how we got there and the next steps uh, in the research. want well, you know, first, we, we started with developing a, a US tool. We then did some Canadian sampling. I'll talk some about that. But, but let's just jump ahead to where we went from there. What we then did is the U.S. tool, we actually went through a process, and, and I'll mention that in a bit, that we validated it. It's been successfully used by, by different denominations, uh, denominations from the Southern Baptists to the Presbyterians to the Assemblies of God all use that. But I don't know about you, but I assume you would believe with me that there would probably be some differences in the Australian context. Now, there will also be some similarities. And one of the things we have when we do research is we can actually begin to uh, look at the, the differences. So, for example, we have a transformational church research project that we did on 7,000 churches in North America. We then take that and use and see how the scales connect to Brazil, where we're doing the research right now, or in South Africa, where we're launching the research. So, our Australian expert interviews then help us with questionnaire development that then leads to survey testing and then we identify what we call scales. When we begin to see scales, scales tell us things that that church planters should have and will have in an Australian context and ultimately in partnership with Geneva Push and some of the other organizations we will launch an Australian tool. So again, first stage of research, 2010-2011, we looked at successful church planters through assessments, expert interviews, survey design, questions and testing, and the development of the CPCA—that's Church Planter Candidate Assessment Tools. Now, um, now let me just say I'm going to quickly go through this. Um, I asked Scott earlier if I talk fast for the Australian context. He said no, though I think he declined to say that you do talk like an American, which makes us hard to understand you. Um, and so, but I, I am going to quickly go through this because I've got a lot of slides. And so if you, if I use a, if I use an Americanism or don't pronounce something well, just make a face. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I don't have any problem. I'll look and I'll say, well, let me go back to that. But what we did is we identified common characteristics of successful planters, and then we ran them through a series of tests That would actually see the characteristics that were evident within, well, who they were. And then the second stage from your perspective, from the Australian perspective, is the research in Australia. And notice it's 2013 and it's ongoing in 2014. So we began with interviewing Australian church planting experts... Uh, we did then question development, over 220 questions, but then we had to test those questions. Not all those questions will work. Not all those questions would be good. Uh, they're not just questions that the experts said we think they'll work, but we'd have to validate to see if they'd work. Um, then, then we do survey testing, church planning, and pastors. I'll explain why both. Um, then we do identification of scales. And we've actually now, I'll share with you 25 scales, many of which are unique. To, uh, to an Australian context. And then ultimately, uh, we compare those, by the way, church planter and pastor sample. We have, we have enough in the church planter sample. We don't need to do that, but we want to do that to better understand plants and established churches to kind of see how they might ultimately compare. So again, expert interviews. We ask people who know church planters, we ask them questions about why, what and why characteristics. these characteristics would be important. So most of what we measure matters because people who work with church planters have identified it as mattering, and because our goal is to assist those who are recruiting, assessing, and coaching planters and give them a tool they can use. Now, our U.S. experts and Canadian experts, some of whom you'll recognize, um, you'll see different, from different streams of evangelicalism in the United States, uh, Ted Powers with the Presbyterian Church in America, uh, Tom Wood with, uh, with uh, Global Church Advancement or, or Church Planning Networks, uh, uh, Lewis McMullins with Southern Baptist, Mark Reynolds with the Redeemer Church Planning Center. Um, uh, we have uh, Brett Fullers with the Independent Christian Churches, uh, a couple, couple charismatic Pentecostal groups that were engaged in effective church planting. So then we asked the question, well, what about the Australian context? And so we brought some people who were identified as experts in both sponsors, organizations, and asked them. Um, you know, so you'll see some names you recognize, some that you might not know. But we kind of asked some questions, and how might a and here's one of the questions we asked. We wanted to begin to differentiate the difference uh, between uh, a sample that we had, a, a what eventually became a North American sample. And so one of the questions is, how might a successful planter that we could assess in the North American context differ from an Australian context? We analyzed the expert interviews, revealed there's a lot of overlap. We ought not to be surprised that church planters in the West look similar. In other words, UK, Australia, Canada, United States would have similarities. But we also began to look at some of the differences Now, some of the interview highlights um, that we saw as we talked to people who were church planters is is the desire for biblical church planting based on God's word and the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just techniques, geography, and temperament. We heard a lot about evangelism and discipleship as primary, regardless of the model. We heard some things that Scott just mentioned moments ago. The planter's character and calling are always going to be key. Then we began to hear things that are different and specific in the Australian context, uh, more so than the UK, more so than Canada, more so than the United States, is that it's a predominantly secular culture. Uh, it's, it's certainly post-Christian, perhaps post-post-Christian. Uh, we heard that over and over again. Let me quote, for example, um, about secular Australia, that pastors often can be uh, looked with some, some suspicion. Uh, Some said, some said, but not all of Australia, I'm quoting, is secular. Australia is a mixed bag, especially in the big cities. There are uh, new migrants who might have a different view, um, uh, but oftentimes churches aren't seen. So starting an attractional church isn't easy, just reading quotes from the interviews. Uh, mateship became a recurring theme from those we talked to who were experts and leaders in Australian church planting. Um, close connection to one another and uh, spend time with those activities that are sometimes hard to uh, break into and those relationships we are often find have to be reached in community. Um, direct and straightforwardness is a theme that, that that you, the Australian experts, said to us. Um, if you say something to an Australian, they might tell you to your face what they actually think rather than beating around the bush um, in other parts of the world, that's not there. That's not, there's a bluntness. That's not always the case. And so we, we began to see some of these themes as we talked to the experts, just reflecting what they said to us. Uh, Australians are less uh, hard on your sleeve than Americans would be in sharing perhaps their feelings and their uh, perceptions. This becomes significant later on when some of the categories of assessment that many of you use, the Ridley assessment we all have historically been impacted by that. Uh, emotional, emotional resilience became a, uh, an issue and a difference here as well. Um, I would say that one of the things we saw is that it was often a false perception of U.S. church planting norms and Australian church plant growth often feels significantly slower because you hear about these freakishly large churches that are planted in the United States. Let me show you, hopefully just to encourage you, the only study ever done of its kind, I write about it in viral churches, it's six years old now but numbers haven't shifted much. We studied, we had 12 denominations partner to see survivability and health of church plants over a multi-year period. And here's what we found. Here's what uh, church planting attendance look like each year as we look to the United States. Um, Church plants in the United States typically don't break 100 in attendance after four years. Uh, that's probably lower than you thought, but let me remind you, I mentioned this in one of my breakouts, that the reason that you're reading books from church planters who talk about large growing churches is because people who grow their church to 90 after four years are not asked to write the books. Um, but that is normal. That is what normal looks like. That's the mean annual church planting attendance, by the way, from 2,000 new churches that we studied planted over a five-year period. We checked 1,000 of them for their status, who was still around. We actually have a fascinating study. We can break it down by denomination, model, things of that sort. So after the expert interviews, we developed a new survey with over 220 questions. That's a long survey. Um, over half either brand-new questions are significantly adapted to the Australian context, and then we invited uh, both uh, church planners and pastors. We had, a, we had enough of a response that we can draw from both of those samples. Let me share some of the initial results of that as well. 126 questions um, worked. Now, that's a strange thing. Um, what does it mean that something works? Uh, well, they work together to form a scale, and a scale is a group of questions with the same underlying uh, patter. I think that's pattern, uh, though it could be the pitter-patter of a questioner's heart. Um, the pattern of responses and a good scale three or more questions has a better validity and reliability and it's easier to interpret than a single question reliable and then it reads accurately over and over again it's consistent valid it's useful in the real world it's practical measures what we say it will measure this is where we actually do the kronbach alpha test which i would love to tell you about but you would not like me afterwards um and so scales become the key. So, so let me tell you the scales that we find that are descriptive of the research here that we've done in Australia. Now, what we'll find is this, is that we find that these are descriptions that we have now validated and found reliable for our Australian, Australian church planters. What you'll find is the lighter color actually becomes validated and word did not show up this is a comparison, the black ones we find in, the, in both contexts, and there are some others in a, in a U.S. and a Canadian context that aren't on this list. So the black ones are ones that are in both, and the orange, is that orange? Um, the orange ones are those that are in specifically validated in an Australian context that didn't show up in, uh, in, in the same at the same level. Doesn't say they're not real and important at the same level elsewhere. Now, I recognize there's a lot on this screen. Uh, we're going this is all gonna be somebody take pictures. That's fine. Whatever you wanna do, but this will all be released later through Geneva push and the organizations that sponsor. But let's take a look at a few of them that, are, um, that, are, that we find here. For example, um, I want to make sure I don't go too long, um, that we find communicator to be a, a, a reliable and a validatable scale. Uh, and, and this becomes a key thing is obviously if you can't communicate, connect to real world people that live in, be able to share the gospel one-on-one or in a group in a way people can relate to and remember. Um, that obviously relates to evangelism, which is one of those things we'll talk about in a bit. But there's a very clear sense. You doesn't, it wasn't an extrovert and an introvert. There are successful introverts who are church planters. But if there's a difficulty in communicating individually or in groups, particularly things related to the gospel, um, obviously church planning is probably not the best place. But I would say, and this is where it gets a little tricky, um, I would, that's also found helpful in pastors, but not at the same level, because you can preach through the Bible and not have to explain it one-on-one. And that's the distinction. And one of the distinctions we found in church planters, um, create paths. Um, Church planters were people who uh, either thought or got other, or could think. Maybe they weren't naturally there, but they get into the mode where they could create pathways, helping people take next steps, recasting vision, making disciples, training people how to set goals and take them. Uh, one that did not show up in North America but did here was a cross-cultural element. Um, and, and we just had a cross-cultural panel, which, by the way, was was fascinating and, and helpful. Many, Some of you mentioned Mark DeMaz's book. Um, we just had a, a conference in Los Angeles the, uh, that Mark sponsored. I was one of the speakers of the Mosaics Multi-Ethnic Church Conference. And on my blog today, I wrote some reflections about that. And so some of the books that are mentioned, you can find there as Uh, as well. But this cross-cultural aspect, um, and again, for the sake of time, I'm just going to put them up there and sort of see. Uh, One of the things is expectations. Now, this is a key thing. I want you not to miss this. It's not simply the expectation of faithfulness. Now, I want you to hear this, and I don't want you to misunderstand this, because there is an expectation of faithfulness. And, and and faithfulness is the most important thing I, I think and I believe. But there's also among successful church planters an expectation of fruitfulness. And so and so that's hard for some people. Say, so well, shouldn't we just fake focus on faithfulness? Yeah, yeah, we should focus, but not just on faithfulness. We want to also say, how can we be fruitful and make the hard decisions? Financial contentment was an issue that came up. Um, uh, you know, some of the, And I won't spend time too much on these. Uh, on these issues. One of them that was fascinating to me was the ambiguity issue. Um, this is, again, came up higher on Australian church planners. Um, it appears that uh, there's more ambiguity in church planning, perhaps, in the Australian context than in most of the Western world. It's an unpredictable and a challenging situation. You know that. Um, intuition. Now, now don't, don't freak out by the word. It doesn't mean some sort of weird, um, you know, let the force be with you and guide you kind of thing. Uh, but it's willingness to make decisions uh, in the sense that that uh, that that they come quickly with good information it 's not weighed down in analysis paralysis but risk taking and uh, and learning uh, networking as a gatherer becomes a key uh, a key issue as well. Uh, one of the themes is a, a risk taker uh, Now these are things that don 't surprise you now let me uh, for the sake of time skip through a uh, couple of things here this is a uh, little We'll explain that in the written report when that comes out. Oh, here's here my, here my favorite thing, is uh, Australian feedback on the survey uh, was long. Americans would say, don't have time, take me off this list. Australians consistently said, I finished it, but I don't like it. Um, it didn't relate to what I was doing, which, of course, is the point. We tested over 200 questions to see the half that might relate be reliable and end up in validatable, validatable scales. And so, ultimately, um, let me couple of things and then I'll, I'll wrap up. You will see these a little bit later on. Um, again, one of the things we found is, and this is not surprising to you to start something from nothing. A church planner has to take risks to be different. And I think ultimately tools help us to measure some of the differences and the necessity. And there's a wonderful child named Annie, uh, the necessity, um, of, uh, (laughs) of creating, (laughs) I I wasn't, this button's amazing. Uh, um, let me just say, um, Creating a healthy Australian assessment culture, I think, still has a ways to go. Our impression, even doing the research, was there was a sense that, no, 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 we shouldn't, we shouldn't assess, um, among many. And then others would say, well, we shouldn't say somebody is good enough or better enough to plant a church. But I will tell you that we, we can find and have found that there are characteristics that are both reliable and we can validate that point to success in church planting. This is a tool that we'll develop eventually with more details, working with Geneva Push, Scott and the team. Um, And so, but what I would say to you is this, this assessment stuff is ministry. It's not a hoop to jump through. It's not a test to pass. It is a ministry opportunity that we help people understand, is this what God has called me ultimately to do? So I'll, I'll wrap it up from there, and Scott's got a few things to say at the end. There's, there's, uh, there's more that we'll share in the uh, weeks and, and months to come. And, and I would say, too, that we're, we're still ongoing with some of the, the research, right. but here's some initial results. We've still got
0: phase three to go, which will happen uh, early next year. Uh, I just wanted to, to finish by saying I'm really thankful to God uh, for local churches who are raising up leaders. And so can I encourage, uh, encourage us in our churches uh, to be aware of, of how people are growing and developing as leaders? Can I encourage us in our churches... Uh, to be creating opportunities for people to start new ministries, uh, to, to fail um, so that we have some experiences that we can actually look on and say this person uh, can do this in a, in a new context. Uh, I'm really thankful for good referees. Uh, we try and gather five to six references for people. Uh, we need to keep speaking the truth in love to each other. And as Ed said, we're really good at speaking directly, uh, but we need to do that in our churches. Um, and when you get a reference form from, from Geneva or another assessing body, um, please, please answer that um, you know, truthfully uh, and clearly. And finally, I'm thankful to God for the gifted assessors who have uh, really wrestled with uh with these decisions and they're not uh not always easy so i'm thankful to god uh for for those who have come this conference and assess people Uh, it's going to take a whole you know a whole bunch of churches uh to reach australia Uh, it's going to take a whole bunch of people who are committed to supporting and equipping and raising up church planners uh the task is great but we've got a a mighty extraordinary god who who sends uh, and who uses the local church to send uh, people out i'm going to pray and then hand it back to toby Heavenly Father, thanks that you build your church. We pray and ask that you might uh, continue to help us uh, effectively assess potential church planners. Uh, thanks for the way that you have gifted uh, your church here in Australia with, uh, with leaders, with churches that are committed to raising, equipping and supporting church planners. And we ask and pray uh, that many, many more uh, young men and women might be raised up, uh, keen to start new churches that reach people with the great news of Jesus. Amen.